wait, wait, you went to, wait, would you go to BU or UMass? BU, come on. But you went there like in the Middle Ages, back when we had things like, you know, we hadn't yet arrived at tautological arguments and and things like that. Those uh, arguments about small children, tautological arguments? To what? (laughs) Thank you. Can this be the show? Yes. Um, Uh, In that case, what what is is this noise? Hang on. (laughs) Or is that me? Doing what? Oh, hang on. Let me close my door. You might hear a little. Can you hear fan hum? I bet it's it's my uh, ice maker. Someone uh, doing an audio or a FaceTime call to my wife's computer, which I should have muted but didn't. Anyway, it's fine. Okay, so I'm going to step away for just a second. You're going to hear the closing of a door, and then I want. I'm curious because it's it's not a fan noise, but it is the noise of the little motor in my ice machine. And I'm curious if you can hear it. So right now you're probably you might be hearing it. Okay, stand by. Okay, Princess and the P. Do you hear less noise now? Out of curiosity. Amazing Foley work. Amazing. Hmm. No, that was not. I was Ax- hearing Axel thing. Foley. Ach- Ahmed. Yeah. Ahmed Foley. Um, and uh, and so, uh, but this is. I realize this is too big of a topic, but I I have gone into discovering the thing, the stake in the ground that I wanted to make after last week's I thought very fun exchange about pronunciation is I'm trying to figure out along the lines of like you've kind of. I don't know, arbitrarily, Syracuse arbitrarily uh, decided that Chicago Manual of Style, as presented on Title Case Converter, is the canonical title case for your shows. For I titles. don't think I actually pick Chicago Manual, although I do tend to lean in that direction. Oh, well, let me know. We'll see. And then that kind of screws up my whole argument because, once again, you're being, if I may say, a little evasive. Pick one, right? And so, and I thought it was funny. So I discovered there are sites. I was like, you know, it would be kind of fun as a bit sometimes in in toots or whatever where i want to like make a pronunciation joke but like i don't want to have to go and like from looking at ipa spellings of things on dictionary or wiktionary or whatever like i want a way to just like yay text i just drop in some text and it gives it to me phonetically which i cannot wait to talk to you about because i bet you have a lot of problems with that so i've been discovering a combination of just fairly generic converter sites for drop in here's your region you're in America, you speak English, you drop in Mary, 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 and uh, and then it, it spits it back to you with IPA letters. We know what mm-hmm. that means, right? It doesn't mean that's propyl alcohol or mm-hmm. uh, it's not it's not a hoppy beer. That's not a hoppy beer. It's a sod beer. Yeah. That would be scotch. And so um, but then I also discovered style guides for pronunciation. Did you see these in notes? You haven't deleted them yet, so I guess you haven't seen them yet, probably. I've seen them, but I haven't gone to all those links. All right. Can we can we table that, put a pin mm-hmm. in it, and come back to it? Because I would because a lot what I'm trying to say is we need a codex, we need a rubric. What mm-hmm. what is so you believe, and I, I'm gonna take you at your word that you think there's a way that things should be pronounced or could be better pronounced. And I would I'm just and I'm not trying to prove anything right or wrong. I just think it would be kind of fun and interesting to look at the options for things that claim to be canonical. Mm-hmm. Like when you say, okay, let's talk about my word book. And my word book has a bunch of words in it and that has, you know, one to however many, oh, you ever look up ramp? Ramp is a good one. Ramp's got like 20 different meanings. Um, but like you look at it and the number one definition is usually the one that's considered the primary definition of cromulent, for example. Right. And, but then it's also got that little pronunciation, but does that take into account all of the things? Mm-hmm. Obviously some, somebody who lives on, as you say, the other side of the pond, they might pronounce that lorry a little differently. 
Mm-hmm. Lori, Laura, Laura. So we'll put a pin in that. You don't like it when I improve the document, though. I like it when I improve the document. Yeah, but like I had a section called for links that we already have because I wasn't counting. You don't generally add links until after the show. I wanted to expose to you the idea that these are links I've already added for a topic I'm pretty sure we're going to talk I about. Don't, it doesn't need to be in the document. The fact that they're already there. But would you, know to look? would you know to look there? Of course. I feel like I'm being your accountability buddy. Are you okay? Are you in a sour mood? I haven't Are you mad about your computer? Today. Is your computer I'm being... having computer problems today? I got a lot of computer Okay, so your computer was today. being a dick about um, everything. So your call recorder broke. What else happened today? Yeah. Well, also, you got an orange icon now you don't want. I got I, my Skype broke. My is that I international orange, orange or is that commerce icon? international orange? Or is that there's like apparently three different internationals mm-hmm. orange? Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, uh, yeah, there's the expensive uh, Hermes orange, which again, I say with a Spanish accent for some reason. Hermes. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then the, the bug that's been haunting me for six months continues to I see that uh, ramping up on the, on the, continues ivory. to be devil me. Yeah. You had a lot of windows in that one. No, I did. Well, I hope I can leaven your, uh, your sadness. You can always make fun of me. Wouldn't that make you feel better? I'll make fun of you. You're like a self-basting turkey. You do that. Wolves thrown into the wolves of puberty, you called it. Mm-hmm. Master baster. Why are you laughing at that? That you didn't mute. That was such a dumb joke. That's it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to match your energy. Just trying to match your energy. I still watch that sometimes. (laughs) Um, We have a, uh, hey everybody, welcome to John Syracuse's program, uh, Reconcilable Differences. And you are listening to the, uh, your your nine minutes, well, depends on when this gets the cut, but you're several minutes into episode 219 of Reconcilable Differences. It's a pro- program with uh, hosted by John Syracuse and his little monkey Merlin. And we try to figure out how we got this way. Anything bad? Is what bad? Anything bad? Have you anything to add? Have you anything to add? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, in that case, why don't we get straight into it with... Uh, oh, you know what we didn't talk about in the pre-flight? I, I, let's just do this on the show. It's real easy. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about... So we, what we didn't talk about is our, what our main topic is tonight, which involves a combination of two things. Can, can I mention the two things that are in there or do you want to present it? Because no, there's a question I have you to can ask. Mention them. You can mention them right now. Uh, there's, there's a, I was just telling Billy, there's an item that's been on our list for, what would you say, three years? It must have been from around the time when I started watching Walking Dead in earnest, mm-hmm. right? And a top, because, and we talked for QED, if, you've, if you're new to the show, welcome, that's John. And, uh, and uh, I'm Merlin. And, and we want to talk about, like, we both love apocalypse things. I think that is, for you, famously a genre that you love is, like, not just apocalypse as in, like, the day after or whatever, but, like, as in how do you try to be a person after the apocalypse? And obviously alive. No, I use all parts of the apocalypse. Really? Just before, during, after, Did you ever see that English show about nuclear war? Which show? Um, I've got it on my Plex. There's this one that aired on the BBC. I think it was the BBC. It might have been ITV. On oh, BBC. Threads? Threads. Have you ever seen Threads? No, but I know about it. Oh, brother. But you think people are I scared? I was a, a morning after guy because on, on this I side know. of the pond, we I had know. the morning after and over there they had Threads. Right? I got a different name for everything. Over there they call it Threads, isn't it? That's right. Geezers. And, um. Yeah, as, oh, speaking of in it, right? You do that as a joke or whatever, but seriously, the use of in it 
uh, as a, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Or do, do you, do you agree that I'm correct? Right. Like I'm still, it's kind of like I used to get hung up on the at sign in Twitter when they would like do at replies. It doesn't make any sense. Hello at, you know, Joe Schmo. Oh, I, I hate sense. people that you, I, what I hate is when people use the at as the, whatever that is preposition. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, when they want it to be the word at, but, but it, when it first came out, it was like, it doesn't, we already have, we already have a pronunciation of that from email addresses and so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But you need a control character, right? Don't you need something yeah. that interrupts the flow and then with a space at the I end? Know, but, but we already pronounce it out. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, in yeah. it as, as a short for, isn't it, mm -hmm. uh, it gets used uh, in UK English in places where the phrase, isn't it absolutely does not fit or make any sense, but you just have no, to understand. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's very, it's very similar in some ways. Well, I actually have a thought on this that I would love to share if we have time so in it i mean like when you say that i think it, it yes it means do you know what or actually you know who said this it was nana cherry uh, on her song <laughs> buffalo stance mm -hmm. and i'm gonna try we and always stand in that we always stand in that buffalo stance that's one way you can know that was 1989 was that when that was it's when that came out it's when i was mm -hmm. in my second year studying richard hugo and no also hurricane hugo can be my lover it's sweetness that i'm thinking of yeah i think that's close and you remember the one part there's the bridge no what i mean oh so that's what you're getting for the in it yeah but so, even i i've heard in it being used in places where you know what I it's mean. it's not grammatical but, it's more right, like am like, i right is is it not true uh, do you not agree with me like i'm seeing in it in places that don't make any sense but it's it's just become like a noise but this is where my observation comes in because i watch a lot of british comedy and i watch a lot of british people being interviewed for example yesterday i watched rob bryden's youtube podcast because of course he's visiting with steve coogan and it was uh, actually a lot of fun um i think it's part of the culture there to ah boy I, i'm sorry if this is a stereotype but it feels real to me i think there's a, always an intense attempt in in terms of decorum or deference or you know, in England, one of the worst things you could do is act fancy if you're not. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they, they really hate that. They're class conscious, but not in the way we like to think. But, you know, like, don't, you shouldn't be acting like you're above your station. And I think a lot of times when people assert something as a, a comment or a statement about the world in England, they do frequently, like, you know, me and like, am I, do you know what I mean? Like, when mm -hmm. I say that, a lot of times I'm like, I don't know if I explained that well. In England, I think people seem to feel somewhat chastened about just making an assertive statement in a lot of contexts. And they will end it then with a question, like in it, or, or you know what I mean. They, they, they talk like women in meetings in America. Yeah, the, the, fra the, the phrase has taken on, like, I, I've got to save some examples next time I see them, like, you know, even if I stretch it real far and say, oh, it's just a, it's just a substitute for do you know what I mean? Or do you not agree with me? Like it's in places where it doesn't work as a question. It's certainly in places where it doesn't work with the isn't it uh, grammatical structure. But it's it's in such weird place. Like yeah, and it yeah. reads correctly. Like I understand what they mean. It's not like mm -hmm. I'm having trouble understanding. I right, know right. why they inserted that that sound at that place in the sentence, because they are seeking reassurance that they are being understood and that's a way that's with. just a way that i, I realize that annoys might annoy you some people hate it when i go do you, does that make any sense and i'm not doing that for for clapping i'm saying that because i just want to clarify that i know sometimes i try to present ideas that are fairly simple in my head but are actually not even complex complicated ideas not even the good complex. So if you, if you instead of saying does that make any sense if instead you inserted the phrase sense maker just Instead as a placeholder. If you that. just said sense maker, 
And I'll be like, what do you mean? You does that make hack. sense? <laughs> do, do you mean does that make sense? Or right. are you asking me? No, just sense maker. I'm like, that doesn't make any grammatical sense. Oh, just just from now on, every time you hear me say sense maker, just yeah. read that as understanding that I'm saying, does that make sense? Yeah, pretend I'm like, being well, deferential to well, you. Well, why don't you, know? you just say does that make sense? Why are you saying sense maker? It's just I'm sorry, our language entire culture changes, now, John. I think now you everybody get very, says sense maker. You get real sticky about this stuff, but language evolves. And and all you know, words know, have well, other meanings. I don't know if it evolves over there. You have a lot of thoughts on evolution, I do. but I, I watch for that. Watch for that, and also, also, if you enjoy, you like, you like Bryden and, and Coogan impersonation bits, right? Sure. Is it do. just me yeah. and Todd? No, no, they're great. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Mm-hmm. She's only 16 years old. One of my favorite things about those is uh, the the effect of when you have two people trying to do the same impression. The yes. first one who goes, you think, oh, that's pretty good, but then the second guy goes, and you're like. Oh, oh, wow. That, that first one sounds was terrible. a lot more like Sean Connery. <laughs> well, no, but then sometimes I'm like, well, this doesn't sound right either. But now the first one sounds worse because now I hear now I hear a different take. And I'm like, but neither one of these must be right. And and like if you I don't know for, if you like weird comedy, like uh, as I as I do, um, I mean, it's always such a joy when somebody you can see somebody breaking just a little bit or starting to break a little bit. I, you know, I don't want to do too much like that Tracy Morgan love, love, love. I figured out how to make the audience laugh by acting like I don't know the lines kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's like, Alex claims there's only one time in Nathan for you where you can see him start to break. I think there's a couple, couple of them, mm-hmm. yeah. but one thing I like about those, cause some of those are outtakes. So what happened was is the actor, um, the actor, the Welsh actor, Rob Brydon, and the English actor, Steve Coogan, um, have, have been in stuff together. They kind of ran in a lot similar comedy circles for a while. Coogan's older. He was on, very famously on Spitting Image. Um, you know, if you've seen that Genesis video with the puppets, that's Spitting Image. Um, and Rob, Rob is younger, and I think- More than his, one. Is Land of Confusion, was that the only one with the puppets, or are there more? It's the only one I know of. That one's got the Reagan one. It's got, it's got a Phil Collins one in it. Um, anyway, and, and they did a show, uh, have done a show for, I think four or five series mm-hmm, called the, this is called the trip and they go to Italy or they go to France. And the conceit of the show is that in the first one, anyway, Steve is going to go, he's getting paid to write an article about restaurants in, I think France. And he asks his friend, he's getting, he's like ending a relationship and his friend, Rob Bryden decides to come along and it's just them talking at dinner a lot or them having little adventures and uh, but usually like there will almost always be something where they're both very gifted mimics and so they'll do these i'm sorry if i'm telling you guys things you know but it, it's actually super funny john get my back yes it's very funny right and it's very good it's very good and them going at it and the one that they keep going back to again and again and again is michael kane where where they each think the other person's michael kane is wrong they're doing him in a weird age but it gets, it's very silly and funny. And like, you could very much just watch just those scenes that are not outtakes and go like, wow, these guys seem to kind of not really like each other. Or, you know, that's the point of the, it's like me and you, right? But then sometimes you'll see Coogan start to break or you'll see from a rear shot, a reverse shot, you'll see Rob is laughing. And there's times like when Arnold Schwarzenegger won, <laughs> leave it out. <laughs> that gets so freaking funny. Now you're not going to know a lot of the people they're impersonating, but you will know Michael Caine. And and then there's there's the really good one where he says, oh, I'm not going to bury another Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the point of that was what? Oh, I, one point of that was I posted a photo where I, I, I instantly thought there's one where he's yelling at him about how <laughs> Michael Caine uh, yelling him about a camel going through the eye of a needle. And they don't know, like it is for embroidery. 
has to be very, very thin or bulimic. <laughs> it's the most, most selfish broth I've ever had. Uh, and the reason I said that is, uh, yeah, but it is nice to see them actually like, and so it's funny because so Rob is interviewing him for his podcast and Rob is very funny. He's a fixture of like panel shows there, which they love there. They call them panel shows. They do love them. Yes. Was it, what was my point of that? Did I have a point about that? Uh, let's see. Uh, Probably maybe. not. Maybe. We should get to well, it. Well, we were. Oh no! What I was going to ask you was the reason what had happened was, and so um, I told John that I have I, I had watched Station Eleven apparently through Station Eleven is a TV show on HBO, and I had made it up to I was into like number nine when I bounced for whatever reason. Insert name isn't, of isn't number nine like the second to last one? Yes, and that was this and this show came out when a couple of years ago? Yeah, maybe? yeah. yeah. And, but we, but Madeline, whose memory is just incredible. She remembers everything about this. And I'm like, oh, this is the airport one. She says, yeah, but like, do you remember the gas can? Here's my question to you. We're going to talk about that. And the the thing that's been in the notes for years waiting for, because, you know, what's in the notes, John, it can always come up. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And in fact, we may have already talked about this, but it doesn't matter because neither one of us remembers it. We did that. Maybe. Huh. Isn't it? And uh, Madeline was, was like, good, "That was a good. That was a good use." Oh, oh, am I right? And so Madeline's like, "You know what, you guys, let's watch Station Eleven." And you know, and so she, she remembers everything. I've watched, I've watched the first episode like three times. You know how it is. You can, you can very easily draw my graph for this. It's almost exactly the same graph as Tenet, which is I watched the first fifteen minutes four times. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, I, I, I've seen the final act of Tenet a lot less than I've seen the first 10 minutes mm. or Brick. I still haven't finished Brick, but I've seen the first 10 minutes five Sometimes times. Sometimes it takes you a while. You got to get like a running start. Sometimes it's like tipping over a Coke up, machine. You back up and you run. And that's always the analogy you use, but I really think you overestimate the amount of experience the average listener has tipping over Coke machines. Well, Seinfeld knew. Mm. That was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. When they were heavier. And... um and the one, the topic that's been on here though, because I was a, I had been Madeline again. Madeline Love, my wife, really enjoyed the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. I couldn't take it. It was just not a thing I wanted to like watch. It, you know, I'm not. I don't dislike gross things, but I just the show seemed to like a little bit of a grind. But I got remember then I got super into it, and I was mm-hmm. talking. We we talked about it. I think so. This mm-hmm. topic came up a long time ago. How would you describe this? What are your What are your strategies for surviving? And I asked Billy about this, and Billy says, "Well, it depends on the apocalypse." And I said, "Well, of course, that's John Syracuse. He's going to say the same thing." Mm-hmm. It's like it's like in Brooklyn Nine Nine when they go to, you know, Andre Brower and ask what's in his hand. Yeah, we'll we'll probably combine those two times. So my question we is about well, don't I mean we have to talk about? It, can we agree? For example, here's ultimately my suggestion, and I, I know you'll feel free to veto this. I think what we should say to our listeners is. We're going to spoil the first of 10 episodes of uh, Station Eleven. But, I mean, to me, this is like, like the thing in the Wisdom document about, like, if you can't finish reading the sample from Kindle, why would you buy the book? Like, we're going to, we would, I'm, I think we should be able to openly discuss the table setting of what's happening on this show, but then try to be considerate. And if it turns out we went places that were more of a spoiler, at this point, you will hear perhaps an announcement of that. 
Yeah, sure, that'll work. And although I would say, like, it's I just don't so, like promising so we're not going to do that if we have. If it yeah, like, no, no, it is what it is. It's like it's not. It's not a. It's not like a, a, a deadly flu. Yeah, and it's uh, it's ten episodes. So honestly, you could just like pause the show right now. Go get HBO, watch ten episodes, come back. Like it's not that long. It's a limited series. It's all there is to it. It's ten episodes. There's not going to be any more. Uh, so yeah, it's a whole story, okay, cool. and you can watch it. And and you know what you want to talk about with the apocalypse part? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. But, good, but good. First, I got to do my, no. I know, uh, my, but my, see, but the, I didn't get to cover that in the pre-flight. I think I ran the pre-flight very well. Uh you. It was a disaster, and I should never let you do it again. Well, I think sometimes you are. I want to say you're a little bit of an asbo because you you are. Know, you got to stop using that because, like, as you noted, it sounds terrible if you don't know what it means, and even if you right. do know what it means, you're like, why are you using? I've, weird UK I've known phrase? some real sweet kids that were asbos. Mm, no, say it's not. You're not helping. I think I'm helping, and and you are the word I'll use then is an American word, which is I think you're obdurate. Yeah, well, I, every, and also every time you say it, I, I have that thing where it's like. Does he mean abso? And then I think of abfab, like absolutely fabulous. Oh, right, right. Abso, uh, absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, I love the daughter. The daughter on that show was really good. You know, uh, know, abso is also a very rare diminutive version uh, shortening of the word absolute. That is a term of art in the player versus player first person shooter world of video games. It's a short way of saying absolutely. No. Uh, you will you probably never guess it because it is very strange. But uh, uh, is it a, is it an acronym? No, it's just absolute. The word absolute and uh, abso oh. obviously short for absolute. That makes perfect sense. But what, but what the heck does absolute mean? Oh, um, actually, I don't even know the origins of. Is this that movie. when we get a no scope headshot? No, it's like mm. uh, so. You each uh, when you're playing in a um, PvP uh, first person shooter, you have a certain amount of health. Your hit points. You're familiar yeah. with that, yeah, right? Yep, yep, when yep, they're yep. down to zero, I got, I got it on my room, but too it shows yeah. me the battery. When, yeah. when you're at zero hit points, you're dead, right? Um, and each shot that you take with a weapon removes some amount of your hit points. This is all straight up your alley from D&D, but in the video yeah. game, we're right? same, yeah, yeah. same deal, okay? I get it. Um, when you're absolute, it means one more shot from any weapon will kill oh. you. So you have, you have so little health that like you have like you know one hit so, point So in left. most games, zero means zero. Like in D&D, you could potentially get below zero if you've got like the right kind of hit points and, and um, yeah, but it, constitution it, it, and stuff, right? In the PvP, like, you know, if, yeah, if every yeah. weapon, if the if the weakest weapon in the game does it 10 damage... It starts probably blinking like Ultraman and you know, like, oh, you're Abso now. Yeah, like, because if, if the weakest weapon does 10 damage and you've got four hit points left, any wep- any hit from any weapon is going to kill you. And so what you would call <laughs> out like, to your... It's like hitting on, it's like hitting on 20 and black. <laughs> so, so what you would call out to your teammates is you would say, you know, he's absolute, as in you put enough bullets into him that the next shot from anybody is going to kill him, but now you can't see him anymore. So you're asking your teammate if you have line of sight on him. He's, he's gone around the corner. I can't see him anymore, but he's absolute. So you should pursue. And That's exciting. I like this. Abso. Abso. You're such an abso. Huh. Anytime you get seriously injured, I'm going to yell to my teammates, Merlin's absolute. What about a Laza Opso? That's a kind of dog. <sighs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for derailing you. I'm sorry. We, Why? We need, to, we need to do follow-up. What, what do you think we need to be doing? Follow-up. That's what we need to be doing. Follow-up. No, don't do that. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Squarespace. I will sing you a song of Squarespace. To learn more uh, about Squarespace right now, you visit squarespace.com slash diffs. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, whether that's your products, your services, even the content 
that you create. Squarespace has got everything you need all in one place. Uh, you can sell products on their online store. I should say your online store, sir, or madam, or other. We're going to cross out all that don't apply. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling it online. And online is where everybody is these days. I don't know if you're aware of this. This internet thing is blowing up. Blowing up. And everybody's online. So that's if you want to sell something, that's the place to be. And, and you see Squarespace got it? You get a little store. Nothing wrong with that. And, and, yeah, here's the thing now. You can also you, you get uh, flexible payment options. What is happening? What millennium am I in that this is just included with my website? You can make checkout seamless for your customers with simple but powerful payment tools. Okay? You can accept credit cards. You got your PayPal. You got your Apple Pay. And you can offer customers the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. By my count, that's four different things with pay in the name. And you want that because the payment then, in some form or fashion, will go to you. It's, it's your store. And you can also take advantage of professionally designed website templates. These are literally designed by professionals. They're super nice. Super nice. And, and Squarespace, they got designs for every category and use case. So, you know, you, you don't just go in and like pick up, you know, from like five generic things. You can go in and say, I have this kind of business. Or, or you can say, I have this sort of business. And then you get a, you get a template that works and, and top keywords and whatnot. And you get the whole thing. And you got a website and, you know, it's online. Just go to Squarespace. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs, right? And, and you know, I've been, guys, team, you, uh, plural, I use Squarespace all the time. That's where my personal sites are. It's where the Roderick on the Line uh, podcast and website uh, uh, live. And and I, I was just there a couple couple three days ago, uh, uploading a, a new episode. And it's it's really I work with John Roderick and John Syracuse, and and I've worked with a lot of Johns. And Squarespace is easier than the whole lot of them, as as they say across the pond, Governor. So do me a favor, you go, you check out squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S, and that's going to get you a free trial. Free trial. And when you're ready to launch, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. In the words of the great Stephen Sondheim, say it thrice, and it's almost like praying. Squarespace.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs when you decide to sign up and get 10% off. Now, I don't think Stephen Sondheim would approve of that. Uh, I, I admire the man greatly, but, you know, if he thinks he can do better, you know, maybe he should go and write company or whatever. I'm not angry. Don't put it in the paper that I was angry. You go to squarespace.com. Diffs and offer code diffs are thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Hey, everybody. We wanted to say we've been encouraging people for a few weeks here to, uh, to um, donate money to St. Jude uh, Children's Research Hospital, and y'all did that. How, how much money has been brought in as we record? $755,136 even. Pew, pew. Last one year, right? All-time all, all one-year fundraising record for the Relay FM. Oh, uh, man. Pledge drive. I like that. Uh, th- Danny Thomas, thank you. And and all of you listeners, thank you. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing effort, especially since like towards the end of September, it was like, oh, this is a good year, but it's not going to be the all time record record. And there was this big come from behind surge towards the very end, which is really exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just want to say, um, well, I mean, if we can, there's a little bit of log rolling. I would also just like to personally say thank you to everybody who did this and put it together at Relay, especially the suits and uh, and Kathy and everybody who participated in so heavily in this. But I just also want to say thank you to the listeners uh, who, who ponied up some dough. Uh, we appreciate it. And thank you for doing that. 
Yeah, for the si- for the size of our community, like the number of people and the amount of money they give, it's it's amazing. Like you would think that that Relay had millions and millions of more listeners based on the amount that we raise. So people are being really generous. It's always amazing. we happy few. We band of brothers. You ever watch Henry V? You ever watch that movie? No, but I watch Band of Brothers a lot. Kurahi. Remember they got to run up the hill and the guy from Friends is there. Paschetti, yeah. That's a that's a really good cast. You know, Simon Pegg is in that. Yeah, I'm 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 uh, strategizing how I'm going to get one or both of my children to eventually watch that. Hey, have if you ever want to do it for the show, I would I would love. It. Well, have you tried the Pacific? I, I started the Pacific, yeah, but I, I watched I, the I watched the Pacific. It's not as good, but yeah, Band okay. of Brothers is really awfully good, and it had along with Jay Z's album The Blueprint had some of the worst timing that you could possibly have. Yeah, which is Although it came I, out the week of September 11th. Yeah, <laughs> Matt I mean, and I, mean, I were not, super not into the second yeah. episode. <laughs> exactly. So everything is not not the greatest time but i do remember sort of being comforted by watching that at the time you know oh the mean? cast is you know and it's got it's got so many people who became kind of a bit it's got you know professor x in it um young professor x that guy mm-hmm. uh, or the guy from the 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 lion wish in the wardrobe the guy yeah, ross from friends he was on a break ross from friends in it in it, in it briefly and um but uh what's his name not dominic west uh daniel jalcott no what's what's <laughs> the name of the guy from what's the guy from homeland what's his name Damien Lewis, Damien Lewis, redhead freckly guy, Damien Lewis, a um, lot of good and people in smaller roles. Oh, and, and uh, I always, I we used to call him, um, uh, what's his name, Ron, Ron Livingston, the guy from uh, Eddie or Office Space. Yeah, yeah. Who's not Ron Jeremy? That's Wouldn't a different say I'm Ron. It. Yeah, I know. That's a good show. Uh, and okay, I think we've we've done what we need to there. And I, I see, I believe, I think I see another piece of follow up here, John. I teased him last you episode. Open, yeah, you teased us. You opened, you opened the refrigerator door last week. That's right. Um, last week, uh, what I uh, teased was that I had felt like I had gotten to the end of the large house projects on my to-do list that I made when I left my job a little <laughs> yeah. while ago. Check, check, uh, check. And, and I was excited that uh, all the big projects were gone. And then what I said was that my fridge uh, decided that it was going The way you to- described it was it wasn't bad and broken enough to, to do something drastic, but you were, it was definitely throwing shapes that you were reaching the end. Yeah. So it, and this started with like a little bit of a slow burn. It's like, does the fridge, my wife saying, does the fridge seem like it's not warm enough or not, not cold enough to you? And this was during like a heat wave. And I'm like, well, you know, she's got a lot of milk in there, John. It cycles on and off. And it, when it's really hot out, it struggles, but you know, cause we don't have central air conditioning, but it'll be you okay. You don't have, oh, right. You've got the little, uh, right, 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 right. The right. window units. As right. That are really hard to bring down from the attic where your Macs are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mac attic. but anyway, uh, but I'm like, okay, but you know, the, the whole sort of, it doesn't feel like it's cold enough for me. Uh, let's get some data on this. So I took our fridge thermometer. I took it from the freezer downstairs. I put it into the fridge upstairs. The technology it's, connections one. No, it's just a, like an analog, you uh-huh. know, a little dial fridge thermometer, uh, that it, like hangs from the, anyway, um, I put it in there and it conveniently has a little like red area that says like, this is the safe area for a freezer. And this is, uh, the yeah, safe I've got area that in my fridge, fridge here. Yeah. 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 And so I put like it in 40, there. 40, 45 or something like that. Yeah, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm looking at it, and uh, my fridge is set to 34 degrees, and my freezer is set to negative four. This is all Fahrenheit. Hmm. Um, and so I put it in the in the fridge, and I'm like, okay, well, right now it's it looks like it's kind of high, but I've just had the fridge open or whatever. Let me look at it, you know. Let me look at it over the course of the day. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and it was just always. Because sometimes it takes a while, right? It, it, but it was it was just always either at the at the very high edge of the safe area or past that. 
And I'm like, well, you can't can't have uh, this. It's not in the safe area. Like, that's I've not good it, for Tina's milk. I set it to 34 degrees. It's on like 42, 43. That's no good. 44. No, 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 like no, it just, I can't good. have that. So, and so it's not, it's not broken. <laughs> what are you, an Instacart shopper? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and the freezer was good. The freezer was still yeah. keeping stuff frozen. Although I did note that the freezer was I'm also I'm surprised not, you don't keep it lower. I, I would think you're more like a negative 10, man. Yeah, I mean, so negative. It's because I don't want the ice cream to be too hard. I found negative. Oh, four. see, that's my problem. Ours is like, you know, ours sucks. So like, our ugh. I keep stuff at work if I want it to be cold. I keep it at my. I have a chest freezer at work. Yeah, but I found negative four to be the right thing for ice cream. But I, but I had noticed that the ice cream was a little softer than I like, even though it was still you, negative that's four. An easy, that's an easy one. Your ice will still be mostly fine. It might right. not sound as clinky. It mm-hmm. sounds more clinky when it's very hard. But we like with ice cream. I'm sorry, I'm such an asbo. I know you are. Um, so anyway, the, so that's the situation with the, with the fridge. And I was like, it's not. <laughs> that was funny, John. It's not. Bro- I'm going to give you a point for that. That was Thank good. You. It's not broken. Mm-hmm. Like ice stays frozen and the fridge is cold. It's not a hunchback. But, exactly. But it's not the way it's supposed to be. So no. what do you do then? Do you do we get a new fridge? Like, you know, so I started looking at it. does seem new- a little bit wasteful. I mean, again, now, John, do you. Well, let's just say the obvious. What are you going to do? Call somebody to come look at your refrigerator? Yeah, because you know refrigerators what? Refrigerators are almost like VCRs at this point. So, where someone like, comes out here to look at your fridge. First of all, you're paying for them to come out. And second of all, if there's, literally, if there's literally anything they need to do, it's going to cost hundreds of dollars. And a new fridge you can get for twice that. So, should, yeah. But, you know, anyway, we, we That's just, why I say it's a, like a VCR. There was a point where VCRs, all, almost all, all the VCRs I had ever cost $200. And it was like a Tim Cook project because every few years you could get a way better VCR for $200. You could get a, you could, pay more and get like a nicer like a sony one or more flying heads or whatever but they were like two hundred dollars and like there came a point where like well there's a fuse in there which i've changed on my own did you know you can wrap a marlboro wrapper the the the, the tinfoil from a marlboro pack around a a, a fuse i did know that it. although if you wanted to be less cancerous you could use uh like what uh you know wrigley spearmint gum wrapper right that's a good idea or my nicorette and mm-hmm. um and um so where are you at now? What's the well, progress? What's the what's the delta since two weeks ago? So I did do some emergency fridge research to see what the landscape looked like and try <laughs> try because because your, your fridge research from like a year ago is probably already outdated. Yeah, and by the way, this fridge this is the fridge that I talked about in episode number one hundred two of this program, which was uh, called "Preparing the Way," which was uh, in April of twenty nineteen. Maybe the best episode of the show. So th- so does, this is not an old fridge, right? It's a four year old fridge, and I feel like it still should be working. But I, I did look at new ones and see what that landscape was like. It wasn't great. There's not a lot of good options, a lot of controversy, especially about linear compressors and crap like that. Anyway, I did that research, but also I did research on what kind of things can go wrong with my fridge. When I first got my fridge, I knew that one of the things that can go wrong is there was a manufacturing defect where they sprayed a bunch of like insulating foam and it got into some pipes and stopped things from draining and totally screwed up a bunch of these Samsung fridges. Oh, and those must be really hard to service because they're going to be intermittent because the way it, they I mean, I bet they weren't all broken in the same way. Well, it was it was it was definitely a manufacturing defect. You could tell if you right, had it, and yeah. it totally hosed your fridge. And but I didn't have that. Like when I first got the fridge, I'm like, well, it should be obvious that I have this. Like water will start filling up in the fridge, and it'll be all gross. But this this wasn't the case. So I was lucky I didn't have that. And it's been four years, so I'm pretty sure I don't have that problem. But there's I found a bunch of good uh, YouTube videos, which I'll try to find for the show notes. Let me write it in here. And these videos show here are all the things besides that insulation foam manufacturing defect that can go wrong with this fridge and how you would the, the, was in general, that. I'm sorry, in general, or that lead to a symptom like you've got. Your symptom is like the headache 
or the the, di- the headache yeah, or vomit. Yeah, like it's, it's the most basic. Like yeah, the fridge the fridge isn't getting cold enough. It, I mean, it gets cold. It works. Mm-hmm. The compressor runs. Like everything seems fine. Right. But it's, it's not. not it's not room temperature, but it's not doing what it should be doing. Exactly. And that's and that was what this video was about. Was here's all the things that can go wrong, and here's how you might be able to fix them. And here's how you can test whether do you have this problem? Do you have this problem? Do you have it? like all this stuff? Okay. But all of these things uh, that you know to check and uh, and, and deal with all of them. Uh, require essentially, you know, taking ev- everything out of your fridge and freezer, turning it off, and getting in there and no, no you got a VCR in your hands there, buddy. Right. Well, so this is you don't realize what a headache this is, but like if you have a giant fridge and you have someone like my wife who likes to put lots of food in, in the giant fridge, getting everything out of the fridge is either it's, a big money losing thing or it's an or it's just an ordeal. Like, where are you going to yeah. put it? Like, the whole point is you're afraid it's not keeping things cold enough, so you got to get out the coolers. you got to find all the well, coolers. And, and just to state the obvious, perhaps, it's like, well, if you thought you could just fix it by jump, like ripping off the, the kick plate and like turning a screw, that would be one thing. But given that you're, you're going to have to do some exploratory surgery, which, which means taking everything out of the refrigerator, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And B, well... What is your time budget for how long it's going to be out of the refrigerator? Is it okay if it's out of the refrigerator for five days? It doesn't need to be one hour. Like, what coolers do you have? Can you throw half the stuff away? Like, that's a way more complicated. That's one of those, like, the guy accidentally designed the library out of glass and all the books wouldn't hold. It's Mm. one of those, like, there's more to this from an engineering standpoint. Yeah. So, I mean, I decided, I mean, I decided to undertake this, which started by, you know, the day before finding all the ice packs in the house and putting them in the freezer to freeze the ice packs, which are then going to go into the coolers, which is going to hold all the stuff. Right. And also triaging what kind of stuff can we throw out? What kind of stuff? Do I really, really need to keep cold versus what kind of stuff can sit on the counter and it will probably be okay? It's also a nice chance to purge, though. Like, we do a thing. We started a thing about a month or so ago. It sounds silly, but it helps me to have these sorts of things. One of the things we do is on Sunday nights, like Monday is our Monday night is our trash day. But on Sunday nights, um, you know me and the leftovers and how I think like, oh, gosh, do we really need to keep all these leftovers? It's not a museum covered in the document, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things we do Sunday night before like dinner and TV time is we go through and look at anything like really with cold eyes, go through the refrigerator. And this is so hard to do. If you've grown up without a lot of money, you got to throw out anything in there that is not going to be eaten. Like if it's leftovers, it's got to go unless you're going to eat it tonight and you're not. And again, per the document, if you see something that says Tuesday on it and you don't know which Tuesday it is, believe it or not, that's the system working. Because if you you only put a day of the week on there, unless you want to really feel bad about yourself. But yeah, we just, we try to fill up the compost bin on Sunday nights of anything. You know, sometimes you buy celery for a recipe and there's some left over and it's really lame and not fun to eat. It feels wasteful, but like, it's better than feeling like you have this storage locker you pay to keep cold. But you could do that. It's an opportunity to purge, but yeah. And so I, you know, I did do the purge. I you know, picked a day when I'm going to do all this stuff, put everything in the coolers. And once everything in the cooler, as usual, Ultraman style or uh, Neon Genesis <laughs> Evangelion style, the timer's running, right? Now, um, now the, wait, now wait, the I can do this. Running. I can do this. Abso. Yeah, well, not quite. Um, wait, this, how's that not Ultraman? Because like, Hayata and his thing starts beeping it, and he knows. Time's going to run out. But yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. But being absolute is not about time running out. Oh. Um, so 
the clock's running and I dive in doing what I had watched on many which involves taking everything out of the fridge, taking which, all which the shelves day, out of the fridge, doing this? How long disassembling the back panel of the thing to get to the like the, the you're place where the refrigerant place where the refrigerant goes through and the fan that blows over uh, the thing and the defrosting coils and like all of that. Did you go over the apart. hunch? Did you go over the hunch or was this pure exploratory? Sir? Is this like when they well, found I, the brain I worm knew and like that woman's four head? or five different things that could possibly okay. go wrong. But it was all going to require like disassembling part of the refrigerator. Yeah. Cause you got it. You got to get in there. Yeah, and yeah, like, for sure. Even just disassembling it required it being defrosted enough to, because it like ice kind of seals it closed. And if it's too iced, you know, so it's like, Oh, you can use a, a closed steamer. And if you stick the nozzle, the clone steamer in this hole, it'll help melt the ice and you can get it off. Because again, I'm on a timer here. I can't wait for it to defrost naturally. Like when you defrost your fridge, you're like, ah, oh, just let it bomb sit scenario. For, let it yeah. sit for 24 hours. It'll, it'll, everything will defrost. It'll be fine. But no, I don't have that kind of time. So, and I got to take it apart <laughs> without breaking it because there's like this delicate, crappy styrofoam in there that if you crack and it doesn't, anyway, it's a big, big ordeal. I did it. Was there stuff held in with like pins and stuff like that? The thing that drives me crazy is when it's like, you know, to, to make it less, Costly manufacturer, you've got like like skinny plastic held together with yep. no, with totally. crappy little pins, and it's so easy to break something, and the tolerances are all yeah, wrong. Like, that's that's the thing. It's about like, it feels like, like putting a watch back together sometimes. There's there's styrofoam in there that can break because it's just styrofoam, right? And if you break that styrofoam, like that styrofoam has to be an air seal, and then there's uh you know these pla- crappy plastic with these screws that are in it, and there's frost keeping it all sealed up so you can't just yank it out because you'll shatter the styrofoam and require a new $400 part to <laughs> fix that. And meanwhile, by the way, John, just to work here, tick-tock, tick-tock. Yeah. The so clock's take it still all, ticking. Take it all apart. Test everything in the video to see, do I have this problem or that problem? I didn't have any of the problems that were shown in the video. Um, but of course, over, over the day of taking the thing apart and testing all the things, it was effectively defrosting. I did pull out the hair dryers a little bit to get it to speed it along, but mm-hmm. eventually it did defrost. The final thing I checked was to make sure that the drain lines weren't clogged or whatever. Um, and everything was just ship shape. I could not find any problem. But of course, like I said, over the course of the day of determining that it was ship shape, it, I had defrosted the refrigerator and the freezer. So, you know what I mean? But I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. But you know, but I but I defrosted it as in and there was no more ice on any of the little whatever they're called things. I also right. pulled the thing out and cleaned the dust off of the coils on the back of the thing. So the it continued to function as before, which is once you got it cool again, like it was working, but it wasn't wasn't working well. Yeah, so I did everything. I did I I, I cleaned out the things in the back of the fridge near the compressor. I made sure the fan was working by the compressor. I got rid of all the dust. Cleaned out everything there. Cleaned out the oh, drain that dust lines. Is so gross. It's so uh, grimy. Ours is so grimy. Oh my god, it's so grimy. Yeah, no, you got to clean that stuff out. Open up the open up the fridge thing, cleaned all that out. I even uh, also took this opportunity to remove the ice maker because we never used it. We don't have water line that goes to the fridge, so the ice maker is useless to us. It just takes up room in the freezer. So I removed it. That made the fridge angry uh, because it wants the ice maker to be there. So I disassembled the ice maker and just connected the part that makes it think it has the ice maker. Like the even though vis- we don't need our appendix, thing. the body still doesn't like when it's removed. I bet. Yeah, so now it's got now it's got a little tiny dangling like heart of an ice maker just to make it happy. So it thinks Check it, it has out, one. honey. <laughs> yeah, and the ice maker is turned off. You know. Anyway, I reassembled everything, turned it back on, cleaned every single shelf in the refrigerator, cleaned all the crap and food out from four years. Did you clean under it? I know that's an area you've had problems with in the past. Yeah, now clean under did everything right. Put it back How's the floor in. Floor doing under there? Re re leveled it. You know, mm-hmm. whole oh, nine good. yards. That's smart, John. You're doing the right thing, man. Put it back together, uh, and now it maintains temperature. Not okay. satisfying. No, no, Lots no, no. Work. And we're going to apply Merlin's rubric here, partly and very heavily inflected by John, which is like, it sounds to me like you're not saying, oh, I fixed the problem. 
because I knew what the problem was. And no, you you did the other version of that, which is you did different things that seemed reasonable until it worked, which is exactly the way my wife was treated in the hospital eventually. <laughs> I, I, remember this? I, I, yeah, well, you I start eliminated- throwing solutions at it. It doesn't matter who's right. Throw low stakes solutions at a problem until it goes away. Yeah, and like oh, I, I eliminated a bunch of stuff. Like like you were saying with you with your wife, why don't you just make sure it's not this and make sure it's not that? And if it's this, then you would you know like have you considered just giving her some penicillin and seeing yeah, if that right. does anything? Is it you know if it's not anyway? So I eliminated a bunch of problems, and I don't know if if this thing's going to come back. But winter is coming, as they say, mm-hmm. and so I think it'll be fine for a while. But uh, this fridge is on notice. No kidding. So okay for now, and and like just just to clarify, because you move fast. Um, so you like the freezer to be negative four, four, and you mm-hmm. like the refrigerator to be, was it 40 or 34? 34, 34. 34 and four. Okay. And are they negative able four. to, are they able to hit and maintain that temperature to your satisfaction right yep. now? Uh, for now? That's, I put the thermometer back in and it was just stable pegged at 34 in the fridge. I didn't check the freezer because the freezer was mostly okay, but I think the freezer is doing well too. You're not using your technology connections one. I didn't, I would look for that. I did look for that. And I'm like, I found one. I was like, oh, $40 one. And I want the oh, one. Oh, so Wi-Fi. you were on one. Oh, dude. I no. see, who sent me that video? No, I probably just saw it because I subscribed and I support him on Patreon. Although I don't know his name. And Alec, I, A-L-E-C. I don't need to know that. I know, I know his taillights better than I know his name. Mm-hmm. He also has a, has a grayscale Rubik's cube, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec, Alec. I think so. A-L-E-C. I, I like him a lot. I like his, uh, again, that refrigerator video is just really our stuff. Um, and he talked about this. It's like, it basically, you, it looks like a USB. What do they call it? Spider-Man, the, the dingus or whatever. It looks like a, a goober, the goober. It looks like a USB goober, which it is. And what it does is you just put it in a refrigerator freezer. You've configured it on your Mac or similar, and you've told it, I want you to take the temperature of wherever you are this often. And then mm-hmm. you plug it in and it downloads it all. Like my CPAP machine. It's very cool. You should get one, man. They're not that expensive. I mean, I thought about it, but I was like, I'm the whole point is I'm trying not to spend money on this. So I didn't want to spend sure. like 40 bucks on a thing or whatever. So I went without and I think it was okay. Well, and like if we could just go back to my oven for a minute, which I know is still a contentious issue. The core of the oven problem was it's a very old oven. We have no option except for gas. We just can't you can't do electric unless you want to look like the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, with all due respect. But that guy came out and broke the broken oven that couldn't be replaced. Right. That's the, that's the other side of this. And I think it's why, for example, the AMA, I forget. Remember when it first used to be, you always get an annual checkup. You always go to the doctor, you do your annual physical was like a a thing. And then over time there were apparently like actual real studies that said, Hey, you know, maybe that's not a good idea. There's a variety of reasons that are not obvious about why we, you probably should not be getting a physical every year unless you need it. If you need it, obviously check in as often as necessary but if you include things like the potential for false positives, you know what I mean? If you include like all the stuff like, hey, maybe there was just MRSA in the hospital that day, I guess. Uh, there is a cost to fixing something, even if it doesn't, if it isn't money. Like you taking that apart, let's go back to like Dr. Manhattan's father and the watch. You ever try and take apart a, a watch or a, even like a, I used to like to take apart the, um, I, used, I was a take apart guy when I was a kid. And I always loved the thing that was like the timer for our lamp in the front window. Oh boy, that's the kind of thing that's hard to put back. It's like putting a guitar back together. Mm-hmm. There's a cost, and one of those costs might be like, "Hey, you didn't actually—you're not actually very good at soldering, and now your pots have are won't work or they crackle." There's a cost. 
Yeah, one of the uh, uh, videos, I think I found some good links for this, for the notes uh, about my particular fridge. Uh, the guy who makes the video sells kits to fix the problems with the fridge. Like, oh, if your fridge has this, this problem, is like your, this. this is like your wife's computer uh, thing. Like, yeah, it's exactly. so smart like, to be able to like, service Here's, a, here's that. the thing yeah. that, that this guy made up himself, which consists of, like, I found these parts that you need. You need this wire, this thing, this thing, this heating element, this thing. I sell them to you in a kit. Here That's it is. So here's everything cool. you need. It's almost like the way you give a kit a craft project. Yeah, and, you know, and you'll dive into it. But essentially, essentially, hack your fridge. Like, oh, the defrosting wire doesn't correctly defrost the evaporator thing. So here's a separate low-voltage heating element that you will do as vampire taps into the power sources and wrap the heating element around here, and now you won't have this problem anymore. And here's, like, a bigger a bigger flange for the little tongue that goes into this little drain pipe to send more heat down there so it doesn't frost over, you know. Basically making up for flaws in the design of the fridge but i didn't have any of those problems but i love that this this kit was available for my specific refrigerator (laughs) because it must be popular enough one of the reasons i and i'm just typing now because i'm going to put this in notes um i love technology connections just in general Uh, marco and i think are i think are both supporters i see both our names in the credits um and it's, it's this guy who's just he's got a really interesting like curiosity the reason that i got hooked on technology connections honestly I feel like was probably the stuff he did about video, like about how NTSC works or how closed captions works. All this stuff that was like unbelievable to me. And he's got all this old equipment. He show it, he shows it to you on. But in particular, that that one with the crappy refrigerator. The reason, one of the reasons, there's so many reasons I say it's up our alley. But one of the reasons it's so up our alley, up your alley, I think. Do you remember the point where he's like, well, it has to figure out how cold the refrigerator is and how does it do that. Well, there's what? Some piece of like a wire that sticks out. But like the area, wasn't there something to it that was like really basic, like month one physics stuff of like, you put this thing in the wrong place. This is not going to get the actual accurate temperature of it. And I can prove it. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I think when you disassemble something in your case going, oh, I see this is basically an ice chest with electric. Like really what I bought is a bunch of coated styrofoam <laughs> and an ice machine. Mm-hmm. And a little a little crappy compressor that you hope doesn't break, a little plastic fan, two evaporators, some heating coils, and some circuit boards. Do you think it's time to accelerate your search for the next fridge? I mean, I don't know. I did I did do a lot of research. The options out there aren't great, uh, especially sure. when you try to determine is this fridge going to break or not. Uh, so it's, it's tough out there. Like, you really just kind of... For the fridge, I kind of have to shop based on features and just cross my fingers that it doesn't break. Although I did find the big controversy over linear compressors versus nonlinear ones. What, is, what does that mean? Uh, nonlinear compressors are the kind that we've had all our lives where if you looked inside, it looks like someone pedaling on a bicycle where there's a thing that goes around and around. Or like more like, you know, the thing on the side of a, a steam train where the, the, the piston goes in and out, but it makes the wheel go around and around. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. That's inside a regular compressor. Linear ones look uh don't have a wheel they just have a piston that goes back and forth and doesn't and so no that, that that means longer life more efficient probably if you're moving the it's like the ssd of compressors yeah in theory it means less vibration because it's not there's no like wheel part of it it's just going back and forth in so a straight less line. wear and tear also. but the company that makes those lg this apparently has lots of reliability problems because the traditional compressor that we all have our whole lives has been sort of tried and tested for you know and developed it yeah, to where you could put it into Alex's fridge or into my dorm fridge I have here. Yeah, no, it's, it's like it, worked fine for 
12 years. They're everywhere. Like they're just, they've been for our entire lives. That's what, it, right. if you cracked open the inside of the compressor, you would see that. But the linear ones, like supposedly have like buying parts for a GM stuff. car in the seventies. Like it just wouldn't be that hard to get an AC Delco. Radio and, and the other thing is the kind of like all the things from our childhood. Remember when our childhood, when the solder had lead in it and sort of the gasoline and you know, anyway. Oh, do you remember those days, John? Do you remember what the solder was like when we were kids that had lead <laughs> in it? Oh, all the harmful chemicals. Anyway, refrigerants is like that too. You know, the actual gas that- Freon uh, or similar. Yeah, right. So uh, the refrigerant that they used in fridges when we were kids is terrible for both people and the environment. And so <laughs> right, right, right. over the course of our life, they've made progressively less terrible refrigerants in terms of health and environment, but it's hard to get them to be as good at refrigerating. So people shop for fridges. I want so the one it's of the, the ones. ultra 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 suede case all over. Yeah, it. They're like they're looking for the. I want the one that has the bad bad environmentally. Oh no, evil. this is me and two hundred oh. watt bulbs. We're <laughs> exactly like uh, right. now that they've banned two hundred watt bulbs. I I guess I'm just not going to see stuff in my house anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't have to worry about that now with the LED revolution, but yeah, but I mean, like I've bought a lot, a lot, a lot. I don't even want to tell you that it's it's probably approaching three digits of addressable devices in my house if you count every light bulb and all the things. I mean, I've got twelve lights technically i mean like in my off you know what i'm saying if you count light strips if you count mm -hmm. nanoleaf if you count every bulb that all those things but none of them i could cr crank those up all the way super i have a setting right here on my stream deck super white like turn everything on because yeah, as we talked but, about but the technology is available for you to get better than 200 watt light bulb output if you wanted it now with a smart bulb oh see now no not with a smart bulb you're right. Not with a smart bulb. I mean, I've got but with a non-smart bulb. No, no, I've done. got. So what I one thing I do, for example, is like this thing people like to make fun of. I'll take a photo of this because I think you'll love it. <clears throat> um, iDevices is a company that makes this this really terrific and dangerous thing, which is um, I want to almost call it like a like a not a candelabra a chandelier. Imagine something that's the typical. I don't know what the name of it is, but like a, a light socket, right? Screw, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So you put a light bulb in, screw, 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 screw. That same size, screw, 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 screw. It goes in, but it's got almost like you'd see like at a department store window. It's got then on top of that, it's got three bulb thingies with on swivels. But it's the device that you, by eye devices that you screwed in that has the smarts. And I've been utilizing that heavily with, that's nice because now the smarts is out of the bulb. If the smarts are in the bulb, it gets costly. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm totally fine with these. Um, I forget what the name of the company is, but I'm very happy with those. But boy, there's nothing like a 200 watt bulb. Yeah, but you could get a switched outlet and just a dumb, extremely bright uh, LED bulb. Yeah. Yeah, I should do that. Anyway, uh, the... The part of the fridge uh, discourse these days is deciding which refrigerant you want. Do you want the unhealthy, bad one? And does it feel like a gamble to do the the fancier one, the newer one? There's like six different ones. Basically, you have no choice, really, because like as hmm. the, the old fridges go off the market, the old refrigerants disappear. Like there are laws against them in lots of places. So eventually, right, right, eventually right. you just can't get them anymore. Just like you can't get McDonald's fries like when we were a kid. And you now you can't buy 200 watt bulbs and they like ban them. Yeah. I think well, they're like, like incandescent, I think, bulbs, incandescent bulbs like officially off the market now. Yeah, I still have some hanging around in my house, but I don't Ugh. know why I should just throw them out. Anyway, that's my fridge. I'm keeping an eye on it. It has, re it has recovered. And you'll, you'll keep us up to date with uh, how that evolves. Yeah. The story, the engineering. Uh, so had you ever heard that, the twice told tale, the, if you like, according to Snopes, it's a legend. Uh, you, you ever hear the story in engineering circles? So there's a, an architect 
or you know designer of of a building he's built this beautiful in this case and i know there's so many problems with this story but it's it's just a, a metaphor he's built this beautiful library and they're having the grand opening and everybody's there drinking their drinks and they're walking around of course it's empty because the books aren't in it yet and uh, and somebody says to the the designer the architect says this is so amazing that you could have these beautiful easy to see through walls and floors and like is that going to be a problem at all once you put all those heavy books in here? And the person in the story, anyway, like runs away and goes literally back to the drawing board. But 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 there, all the versions of that are apparently a legend. But it's a good story. I don't think that would uh, actually happen with someone designing a building. It's usually things uh, that are less uh, obvious. I don't know, man. But yeah, but uh, God, there. Are, I watched one last night about a guy who built a footbridge that can turn into that can like turn upside down. Oh my God. People are so amazing. That's hard to get anything done from like a civic standpoint. That's what Grady does on his practical engineering. He's a he's a civic guy. Did mm-hmm. you ever watch any of those? Did you watch any Grady? Uh, I still have not. I'm still too busy watching the Irish butt guy. Irish. Oh right, and, and get, tell me his name and impersonate him, please. Uh, Real engineering. He just he just says boat. Uh, for boat. But he's just saying the word butt with an Irish accent. I can't do it. Boat. 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 <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Backblaze. You can learn more about Backblaze right now by visiting backblaze.com slash diffs. Backblaze, you know, these are the folks that are looking after your digital data. Were you aware of that? Uh, They have unlimited computer backup for uh, Macs, PCs, and businesses, and it starts at just $9 per month. You can back up all your data with Backblaze, whether that's documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, contracts, contracts, Right, projects you can get your projects and more things. You can back all of it up. It's Backblaze. It's just okay. You you can easily protect business data through a centrally managed admin. But it's not just about protecting yourself from data loss. No, 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 no. Sometimes you need access to a file on the go. Now this is true. The Backblaze mobile apps for iOS and Android make it super easy to access all your backed up files from anywhere. They even have a restore by mail option. This is really cool. Where Backblaze will ship you a hard drive, a literal hard drive with your literal data on it, literally. And then once you've restored your documents, you can send the hard drive back for a full refund. Thanks, Backblaze. Plus, you never have to worry uh, about accidentally deleting a file again. That's a nice feeling. I mean, just going into it, that's nice. You see, uh, Backblaze, they offer a free one-year file retention. They will retain your files. Or you can upgrade to have your deleted files retained forever, exclamation point. It really is a weight off your mind knowing the stuff is just handled. And Backblaze have restored over five, five, 55 billion files for customers. Do you realize how many files that is? I don't. It's a large number. And 55 is a lot of those. And so, so, so these folks know their stuff. Uh, I, I'm a fan and a consumer of, uh, of Backblaze. It's, uh, it's running on my computer right now, but you wouldn't know. It's, it's whisper quiet, quiet as a church mouse. Shh. And, and it gets all my files up into the cloud, you know? So, so listen, do me a favor. You go out there. You, you get a free, fully featured, new credit card required 15-day trial. I'm going to read that again because it's a lot of phrases with hyphens, and I don't want you to miss any of this. You get a free, fully featured, no credit card required 15-day trial. You go to backblaze.com slash D-I-F-F-S. And if you own a business, uh, click over on the uh, business backup and, and the navigation to start backing up your business data. It's different data, but they got a plan for that. Don't worry. So don't be that, in air quotes, person who uh, who forgot. I think it should be that forgot. Who forgot to back up their important files? Backblaze has got your back. So you sign up for a free 15-day trial. New credit card required. And when you when you sign up, uh, you go to backblaze.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. 
<clears throat> they've asked me to spell it out with letters here. B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E dot com slash diffs for your fully featured 15-day free try. You go there, play around with it, start protecting yourself. I think that's probably enough. Our thanks to Backblaze for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Uh, hey, so on to our, uh, our, our topic to do, do week. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we finished, we finished follow up, right? We have, you're right. I, um, as, as per earlier. And so at this point we're going to start talking about the TV show station 11. Um, I hope you'll have some interest in what we're talking about. If you're not interested at all in us talking about this, I totally understand the rest of this today. We'll be talking about station 11 as per earlier. Who knows? I don't think we've got chapters. God, I hate chapters. We, um, it just basically tells people like, ugh, it's bad. It's bad. If you can do chapters on your show, you're not doing it right. That's what I would say. Disagree. So anyway, well, it depends if you're one of those shows that's like, here's our outline. Ugh. So, but you know, the, you, you, if you want the jive and you also got to hear the shocking, but, um, so I have gotten back into station 11. I, at first, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird show. But I am definitely fully into it now, and in terms of disclosure, so and we'll try not to spoil the whole series, uh, which I can't do because I still have to watch episode ten. I, I told myself because oh, I didn't tell you this. We made a rule after like two episodes of this. I was like, can we make a rule that we'll watch one and exactly one of these every night, kind of like two hours on and off with rowing? Sounds like a, a rule that probably you need more than the rest of your family. Maybe, but like this show uh really gets to me it i i told you i think before we were it was the official part of the show i mean i said that everywhere whatever that seventh episode with the play i think might be one of the best episodes of tv ever it's i i was a mess i was a drip no i was no i can do this i was a melt yeah i don't think that's quite right but i get what you mean and so um i want you to take it from here um it, it is a show that so there's some kind of a, there's a big flu, a lot of stuff goes on, people die, and we see at different points, we see stuff that happened, mainly we see what happened like the, the day it happened, but we, eventually we'll see, of course, a loss, a loss, we're going to see flashbacks of all kinds of things that happened, but a lot of the main part of the show, Qua Show, is about what's happening 20 years later when a group of actors and performers uh, are going around something they call the wheel, which is like a circuit. And they do performances of, and this, this starts with like Hamlet. And it's, you talk about a fun ragtag group and, uh, and it's a show about trauma and grief. And I think it's one of the, it's my favorite TV show. It's kind of, uh, the way you describe it makes it sound more kind of coherent and conventional than it actually is. It's That's definitely true. one of those vibe shows. Um, it's, and- it, I mean, it's got DNA with the second season of The Leftovers for sure. Well, I mean, but Leftovers was more linear by comparison. So this is, I, I haven't read the book that it's based on, so I can't speak to what the book is like. But the television show leans very heavily into the thing that we're all kind of used to from, you know, last few decades of television, which is telling a story, yeah. not, not, in not order, chronologically, not in order at all, intentionally moving back and forth to withhold information that you obviously want to know. So right. it can reveal it later in the series. And sometimes you'll get enough information to make a connection before the characters do. Like, you know, like at the airport, nobody seems to recognize the guy with the beard. We can put that together. And this is a show. Look, listen, if you're that kind of person who likes to look at your phone, let me just literally beg you. 
to just don't, don't don't even do it unless you're gonna like. I, I don't mean to be all John Sarkis about this, but you really need to sit and watch this if you're gonna watch it, because the payoff of watching this show are and I, I'm I'm gonna maybe overstate this. There are layers and layers of signification to things that are going on in this show. It will not. It's actually not super hard to follow, but you're gonna have to just get your mind open to like what this show is bringing you. And it's it's a very deeply human show that, like I said, is just I'll just be sitting there and like I feel like some kind of focus group where the whole time I'll just be going that oh, grief, grief, trauma, grief. Just you just see like what it means to try and be a person in the absence of the people you loved. It's intense. Yeah, it, and it asks you to make those sort of nonlinear connections over really long distances, like not just twenty years in the world of the show, but also hey, episode 10 is going to flash you back to something you've been wondering about since episode oh, like, one. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's like in, in later episodes. Oh, that's right. Clark was sober at that time. So what first just seems like a scene of a guy getting drunk is actually pretty momentous because the reason he's getting drunk is in the, you know, in defiance of his sobriety, his years-long sobriety, is this, is this relationship with Arthur. And Arthur is the linchpin for everything. The, uh, the two more things this show does it its vibe is weird in uh so this is this is a vibe that is true of a lot of the shows that i like even kind of semi-apocalyptic ones like leftovers where it's it's not magical realism like it's mostly realism but there's a little bit of it's like, very mystery high, but it's, I, I agree with you I, it doesn't go quite to the level of man it's not magic real, i think of magic realism as opposed to say surrealism or dada magic realism sometimes is that in, there are situations where people are doing things that, that are plausible in the real world, but don't make sense to the way we think. Mm-hmm. Like in 100 Years of Solitude, why is everybody labeling all the things? Oh, it's because they decided they have a disease where they've lost their memory. That's totally something that could happen. Yeah, and, and, and it really, you need to, it wants you to buy into that. It wants you to buy into the idea that don't worry too much about how weird this seems and how the people aren't reacting the way that you think they would react because either they say, Hey, you don't understand 20 years have passed. In the same well, world. We, there is no before. Like oh, yeah. what, what if you're a, what do you call them? Post fans? Like what if you were born? Then this is, this is covered in things like silo. This is covered in a lot of shows like this. What happens if you were born after the event? What's your life like? And this show is really in some ways about people who cannot stand the idea of it's almost like the, like the guilty remnant or something. Mm-hmm. Like we really need to operationalize this idea that there was nothing before the flu. Yeah, and other people are like, trying to just like put on Hamlet. All sorts of ideas about how, you know, like, okay, so here's some ways some people might react to it. And it's like, really? These people reacted that way? And these, you just have to buy into that because it's, it's weird. And there's not a lot of the conventional things that you would see in apocalypse like, and not, where a lot, the, not not a lot of handholding yeah. about the like what, what's raiders? the significance of the conductor you know where where are the people struggling for survival and starving where it's like no it's mostly going to be it's like well what if what if the world was just theater kids and sad people <laughs> like that's the title that, thank you the, the flu wiped out everybody except for theater kids and sad people <laughs> yeah right and, and i know the, it the seems father like an from veronica so. mars you know mathazar from uh, galaxy quest yeah, he's yeah, yeah. so good in this with or his, actually with or without kind, his wig <laughs> also kind of like brick which you i know you haven't fully seen yet but like the whole, the whole point of brick is his affectation is it's like what if it was a noir movie but everyone in it was a high school student right so you have this incongruity with like they're acting like they're in a noir movie from from decades ago but they're high school students knowing that i love ryan johnson do you recommend it 
uh, I mean, it's worth watching. Uh, it's not as good as his, his later stuff, but yeah, it really feels like the problem is it, it really feels like a, a film I would have seen and loved on a Saturday in 1993. It really feels like almost like almost like Henry Fool, like but like really indie, like those 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 low shots and stuff. It just it's very stylized. It's almost like watching Batman with children. Yeah, and if you and if you had seen it without knowing anything about it, it would take you a minute or two for it to dawn on you that they're doing a noir movie with high school students. And when that dawned on you, you'd be delighted. Exactly. And I was. I watched yeah. it. I knew nothing about it. And I realized what they were doing. And I was delighted. I watched it a second time recently. And it's like, okay, well, it's not as delightful. Mm. You know, you see that it is. You see that this filmmaker. Would, Whereas, would, like, for example, like the first uh, Knives Out movie. Like, I, I just don't get sick of watching that movie. Yeah. No, because that's, it's that is just a, that is a much more like Mad Max. Version. It's just pure right. implementation. Right. Yeah. Like watching watching Brick is like watching an extremely talented person's, uh, you know, third student, good student film. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. This like so Station Eleven, you have to buy into the fact that everything is weird like that. And if it works for you, which obviously it does for you, it's gonna be your thing, right? Because mm-hmm. here it's Let's pushing go back to you want. recommending, like sort of reluctantly recommending that I check out the leftovers. You didn't even right. say like, oh, here's your homework. You were that was one of your first movie recommend or TV recommendations I remember was like, Yeah, you know, you're kind of weird and you like weird things. You you might like this. And I'm kind of glad you posed it that way. Because, you know, it doesn't take very long to get, you know, what, two episodes, three episodes in and you get up to their Not Our Dogs and you're like, this show is about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but you do need an open heart. You need an open heart about the weird. It's a similar thing. Yeah. And I have to say, and I think I said this last time we talked about this, even though it makes you sad, it's the truth. Station Eleven does not work for me as well as The Leftovers does, as well as no, that's okay. Synecdoche, no, no, New no, York no, no, does, no. right? But I no, see right. what it's doing, and I see how it could work for me, but it's like two degrees and, off. You know, a lot of it is, I got to say, I mean, like, so we, I'm up to nine. Uh, we watched seven together on uh, probably Sunday, two days ago. And I, I know, honestly, I was just, I was wrecked. I was like when Kirsten and Kiki part, I just sobbed out loud. Now they don't even have each other anymore. It's the kind of thing where you're like, if you're like me, like, and you like stuff like Snicky New York, like there's just so many levels on which to experience this show. To say it's a show about like a performing, what do they call them, the traveling orchestra or whatever, to just say it's about, you know, a bunch of people putting on a play after a pandemic. Like, I mean, there's elements of that that, that touch on, for example, famously Seventh Seal, the great Bergman movie, like that's about, you know, medieval uh, performers. But it's, it's, that really does it short shrift. One thing we got to say is like off the dome, like you liked Halt and Catch Fire first couple seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her name is, I think it's Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. What else is she from before Halt and Catch Fire? San Junipero. She's in the best yeah. episode of no, Black Mirror. Junipero. That's how they say it on the show. They say the name on the show. You don't have to guess. So the street that's right, out, right outside here. I know, but I'm not disagreeing with the street. Yeah. I'm saying they say the name of the thing You're on the episode. The, John's not disagreeing with the street. I'm not disagreeing with the street name because that street name is not on and the show. And if memory serves, you know, they get some points for me because if memory serves, they did a pretty good job keeping the music. You know, I don't like when the music <laughs> Yeah, no. That's yeah, my pl- that's my plumber problem. But anyway, she's she's in that. She's in Hall and Catch Fire. She's wonderful. She's probably Canadian. Although, wait a second. On that show, you shouldn't have cared if the years matched for reasons that I'm not going to spoil. Probably. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like, you know, if you play Blister in the Sun, and it's supposed to be January of 1985. That's lame, because even though I was listening to yeah, it, yeah, you'd, you'd have to, you, yeah, you'd have a, you'd have some, you'd send a, a sternly worded email about that. 
But like if it's 1974 and you play I've Done Everything for You by Rick Springfield, we're going to throw hands. Mm-hmm. That, that's just not even right. Anyways, uh, what else do we have to do? So, so, so we, this is kind of kind of slightly about Station Eleven, but it sounds like Station Eleven is just the jumping off point for your apocalypse talk, right? Yeah. So this one of the things. I mean, I do. I did like Station Eleven to be clear, and I would recommend it to anybody. And I love that it exists because a, I love end of the world stories, and b, I love it when people take a big swing. And this is both. This is a big swing, and it's an apocalypse yeah. story. And again, I don't know anything about the book, but the TV and there aren't that many people that are was, safe. Like yeah, I would not assume that everybody's safe. It's one of those kinds of shows. Yeah, the TV show it was it's weird uh and it's interesting and I think all the performances are good and the production design is bananas on this show. And it's so subtle. Like if you're not paying attention you go like, "Oh, why is that whatever her name is, uh Tabitha from Succession, um, you know, Roman's girlfriend who's wonderful in this. Finally she gets like a substantial role in something." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Wait a minute, she's old and she's what's it, what is it?" And you're like, "Oh, that's the plane." She's still at the airport. Like, there's a lot of stuff there. You're not going to get spoon fed. This is not like going to see Age of Ultron and there's a bunch of like 90 foot high letters explaining, you know, that this mm-hmm. is Segovia or whatever. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't hold your hands through any of the many flashes forwards and backs and sideways or explaining who these you're going to have to you're going to have to remember a fair amount of stuff. And I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. So that our main character amongst many wonderful characters, but I think probably the protagonist in some ways is a, a woman in her probably mid to late 20s called uh, Kirsten. And the thing that's important to know, be, you know, that you'll get quickly, is she's played by one actor as someone in their 20s. And then obviously she's played by someone different when she's supposed to be like eight, although she looks about 12. But she, so there's two different people playing her in this. And boy, is that child actor great. <laughs> I'm bummed that she's growing up. She's one of those ones like uh, Julia Butters, you know, from I Think You Should Leave or like like Eleven, the Eleven woman from uh, mm-hmm. Netflix. And it's like, gosh, I'm glad you're growing up. I hope you're happy. But I wish they could have gotten so much of that little, the girl who plays Kiki. I wish they could have gotten more of her in a bottle when she was whatever age she was in this. She's yeah. just, I don't know. I think I think she's really astonishing in this. And it's about how you're, how are you going to survive? Funny connections of people. Yeah. To spoil the first episode uh, a little bit, uh, which is the only thing we'll really talk about, but the, the you know, it's an end of the world story. They don't waste any time. It's, you know, episode one gets you to the point where, you know, everyone's dying, right? And terrible things are happening. You've seen it before, but you it's haven't flu, seen it. It's crazy contagious. It's everywhere. But of course, it's, it's even worse, according to two of the guys in this, according to their sister, who's a doctor. No, no, no. Like, wrap up your affairs like and stay inside this is really super bad and at first people are like if you're like jonah from veep he's like eh, you know it'll be fine i'm gonna go play 18 yeah it's a, a fairly like so a lot of the times when, when these, the newscaster gets up and walks away yeah, that's the, an amazing the, the, the conventional yeah that's that's a little bit of an unrealistic bit there the, the conventional way these stories work is they'll show you like Scenes from news broadcasts from around the world. So you get the global scope of this thing. And this show takes a different tact of basically letting you follow Panic one or two on the characters. streets of London. <laughs> yeah, they, they follow one or two characters. And in particular, they follow like they end up following Jeevan. Um, and he ends up encountering a child version of uh, Kirsten. And they 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 don't know each other, but their paths cross. Can, can we at, mention the play at the well, no, we don't need to get into that because that's not I'm okay. not gonna I'm gonna get to what they what they end up doing is we follow them. Yes. And it's like they, it becomes and, the road a little and, bit. Yeah, and, and she even gets advice from his sister who works in a hospital to just you know, like don't just you know, get, 
get yourself off the street, stay away from this. Don't, but like, like, yeah, like, like almost like the people treating people at Chernobyl in in the, in the series where it's like, Oh no, 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 no. Like this is the real thing. Like this is not, this is not something that's going to inconvenience you. And by the way, don't worry about me because I'm already dead. Right. Like, just, yeah, there's, there's not, no way I'm going to make it. There's no, this. like, don't try to come and get me. Don't try to do it. Just like, you know, and that's, that's the, what's the name Frank? Is it Frank? Like, you can just grab sort of, Frank and run. Yeah. The, the, well, they go to Frank's place, but the other thing you have to do. Yeah. To, but that's what I'm just saying with Dr. Chuck. To, to deal with this, like, which was kind of incongruous with the timing with COVID and this and everything, uh, how quickly everyone they show you accepts that this is real. Whereas I think the don't look up a scenario is much closer to reality as we've learned. I'm I'm still in my tenant state of mind where like the tenant has broken my brain in a good way. And I'm so much more, I'm so ready for buy-in now. And I realize that all my concerns spinning around and around about whether I should buy into this and whether it makes logical sense can be totally obviated by amazing execution. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, I think the book was written pre-COVID and it I've heard the book is pre, different, pre- but COVID it very, it's very good. Yeah. It is not a commentary on how we reacted to COVID and, and it, no, it exists, no, 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 no. it exists in a pre-COVID world. And so therefore people act in a pre-COVID, pre-COVID way of our understanding of how, anyway, setting that aside, what Jeevan does with young Kirsten is go up to his brother's place in an apartment building. Well, first he goes to to the grocery store in an amazing scene and gets a bunch of supplies. Ten thousand dollars worth of groceries. Right. And then he then he goes back to his brother's place, brings all the stuff there, closes the door, seals himself in. And brother brother lives in a high rise building. And this is one of my He, he used to things. be a very successful journalist and now he's yeah. not doing great. This is this is one of my things whenever I read apocalypse stuff, is if you just look around, like what is a defensible position? In a situation where the world is ending and everybody's, oh, so like, we're kind of getting into that part now, like defend, like getting the high ground or something that's got yeah. you know where the can right you access. where can you essentially hide, have a good view with people having limited minimized access to means you. of entrance, yeah, limit limited access to you with some ability to cut off all access from the outside if you provision yourself sufficiently. But the way you the way you design a castle in some ways or a keep, you know what I mean? Like we want to, there's, we want all these different levels of security. We want to have, as they call them needles, we want to have a way to be able to shoot people with arrows through the thing. We want to draw a bridge over a moat. What, you know, you go watch Ken, oh boy, it's so good. Ken Burns civil war series, which still bangs. And just those, those terrible, terrible fights where, where a small group of people was dug in at the top of a hill. And that was enough of an advantage to lead to like hundreds of lives being lost because of that, ground advantage of people who were doomed in some cases. Yeah, and it mostly works in this context where you're, you're worrying about other people uh, as a hiding strategy in a zombie thing where the zombies are dumb. It works yeah. as a strategy because zombies don't know how to cut off your water supply. That's, like, a su- that's a super good point. Well, you know, and you know the way on The Walking Dead, like because my brain got broken by The Walking Dead, whenever you meet somebody, this becomes slightly germane in this show, you meet somebody, you God, if you have any sense, God, Rick, You've got to start realizing that never answer any questions. Don't talk to people. All they want to do is come wheeze your juice. It's almost always somebody. It's the governor or it's, you know, whoever it is that's going to come and take mm-hmm. your stuff or terminus or whatever. And that, that's why hiding is a pretty good strategy. And, you know, skyscrapers, even if they if they if smart humans know where you oh, are. Totally. I love it. can be I defensible. You can collect rainwater from the roof things like there's there's strategies. Right. So this show as has long a little as bit. There's not a giant hole in your floor of the building where all the snow comes in. Yeah, this this show has a, a you know a little bit of a fantastical thing in that they essentially seal themselves up in the apartment with tons of food and are fine for or perhaps like a realistic like amount a year of time or something. Yeah, yeah, until they're not fine because you know it's an apocalypse show and you know it's well, so there's a play to put on. But but is I I I was excited to see it because I'm like finally 
somebody uses this strategy because high rises are a good choice in lots of different scenarios. Instead of people who are just roaming around like, like yes, don't, you know. don't sleep outside in the dirt under the trees where someone can find you, right? Don't wander right. the roads, increasing your chance of encountering somebody. Like if you have some place where you have food and water and shelter, uh, you know, and Get in it's there, defensible. Stay there and don't answer the phone. Right. And it's defensible and people don't know you're there because it's big sky theory. Like almost everybody's dead in the city. There's lots of skyscrapers. No one has the resources to search room for room, building to building, looking for you. So you're basically just rolling the dice. And eventually, yeah. you know, it comes up snake eyes for them. But <laughs> it, I, uh. anyway, I, I enjoyed seeing that. And plot wise and story wise, it gives them the opportunity to have this sort of interlude where the world has ended. But they are in this little cocoon, just Kirsten and Jeevan and Frank. Yes. Who, you know, Frank they're, is. A, they're is like, a, and we have to, you do have to buy in on this idea that they, so, and, oh, so another thing that's a huge elephant in the room is how bad is it out there? Because, because like, for example, remember the, what was yeah. the phrase? Complimentary room ceiling kits. Like you get duct tape, you put it over all, you put it over the doors, you put it over all the, you know, any air. Yeah, well, I was talking about the uh, CO2 build up in the room, but again. Well, ab- absolutely. <laughs> I mean, those buildings, I mean, if you've ever been in a building that's air conditioned, just let's start with this, an office building that has air conditioning and they got Steve Jobs windows. It's like, boy, you're going to be hurting when the HVAC goes down. Like it's. It's really unlivable because it was never meant to be livable. I mean, this is this is winter, so it helps a little bit because it would get yeah. a greenhouse effect heating. And it I up, mean, but... I, I again, I like the fact that like we didn't have to. This is another one of those. So let me put this at the very top of the list. Observations about this show. It's part of that rat king of wonderful shows that learned lessons from Lost, or more significantly, learned lessons from how ABC could really screw up the last season of Lost and then make JJ or you know Damon look like the idiots. But they've learned from that. And like, you've got to learn, like you want to speed run basically the first season of Walking Dead. If you can do that in the first episode. And I think let's just look at another great HBO show. I think The Last of Us did a good job with that. Like setting that up, setting up the stakes. But there was more of the, I mean, because all that stuff matters. You know, it's like when you're watching like Rise of Skywalker and it's like, God, Ray cares so much about these people that she met one time. And like, it's all she thinks about for years. It's like, it strains credulity. Don't forget about the big snake. Snake, snake. Which snake? Big snake that she cares so much about that she needs to heal it. Talking about Ray? Yeah. Where's Ray got a snake? I'm glad I'm glad you've blocked it out of your mind. Hmm. Is that the one with Dexter Jester? Jester? No. Say, I'm, say again. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, John. Snake. Dexter Jetster? Yeah. You don't, you don't remember in Rise of Skywalker? He's she, got a there's, diner. There's remember he's got like a 50s diner? There's a big snake underground and she heals snake, it. Do you don't remember that? Snake. Does she go have her Darth Vader moment in the cave? Or her Luke moment? No, no, no. You will no, be. I'm not, I don't want to remind you. Did I send you that video of Yoda saying, Yes, I'm aware of it. I'm aware be. of it. Did you watch I, it a lot? No, because I don't want to see the bad uh, the bad takes that were not selected oh. by the skilled director of this movie. Okay. And that's Irwin Ir- Ir- Kirshner? Mm-hmm. No. Who? Kirshner. Yeah, you got it. Kirshner. Yeah. He's a first name in Star Wars. He goes, he goes you will be. <laughs> he's, not, he's got he's got kind of like a Yoda voice too. You ever hear you him speak? Will be. Uh, Kirshner's uh, definitely sounds a little bit like Yoda. That's a good. Is that Empire of Dreams? That's the that's the official one, right? I think so. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. What do you? How do you approach this? In terms of like, how do you survive? Well, do we need to? Do we need to like are, are there general notes on apocalypse survival? Are we going to pick nits about production decisions? What's what's the thrust of the apocalypse survival angle? Yeah, so the uh, Station Eleven doesn't have zombies. 
Um, there's no magic other than the magic of theater. Uh, mm. There's no, there's no magic. There's not, you know, there's no monsters. All right, the guitars it's, that still work. Yeah, it's germs, right? Um, and and so your pro, your main problem is other people. Uh, but Station Eleven is not super interested in the sort of Mad Max, the road kind of people. No, it, it's much closer. Do you remember this phrase from Billy's childhood that I wouldn't let him watch things with what I called personal violence? Yeah, yeah. It's one thing to kind of randomly just shoot a stormtrooper and he falls over. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing. And I, I forgive me, I don't mean to trigger anybody, but like to kind of wield a knife towards somebody while vaguely threatening an assault of sexual nature. Yeah. That's personal violence. And what hap- what happens in this show is sometimes extremely personal, like grunting, sweating, two grown men who don't fight for a living having to get violent. It's it's not going to be like the Jesus guy in, you know, Walking Dead shows up and like, I mean, it's not clean. Yeah. this So this show, like, again, I don't know. I wonder how this is handled the book, but this show, um, it hints at a lot. It, it, like it has a lot of things that hint at exactly how hmm. like exactly what it takes to live in the post-apocalyptic world. Like the fact that, that uh, 20, apart, apart from good luck, you know, also things like having a, a defendable fortress in a well, like the fact that adult Kirsten is a trained killer, right? That that basically if person and person could find themselves wondering why does Kirsten always have a knife with her and everything. Right, right, and <laughs> like the fact that she's still alive shows that she is dangerous and she, she's very skeptical she's, she's very she's dangerous like she she, she no she is she's le- she's lethal but also where everybody else is trying to get through the day kirsten has a very as and the the backstory builds this up in ways like her relationship with alex mm-hmm. i love their relationship and i love the, the oh my god the backstory and all of that really works for me she's got something to protect she has lost things yeah, and, has, and even just herself, like was her, you know, not to spoil the show, but she has had to survive on her own from a young age. Uh, and she was the basically fact like that a feral still, child until she the, found the fact that she's still alive shows that she is she able survivor to survive her bias. Yeah, she has murdered people to stay alive, or otherwise she's, she wouldn't. She will still kill be a here. person. She right. she actually will, and she's and she, sometimes, especially like when there's somebody she's suspicious of, she's really on edge. Yeah, move, and, move one is stab. <laughs> Let's not like you know. Anyway. In fact, one of the less she should have stabbed him better. Though. One of the I yeah, mean, one of the less realistic sh- things about the show is that she didn't finish that job. I totally agree. Yeah, I didn't like that guy. But anyway, but you know, so but the show is not interested. Like Walking Dead is very interested in showing you the fight for survival against other humans. It's very very interested. The whole show is about that practically. Plus, zombies, yeah. right? And that's how some of the best episodes. Like when they arrive at Terminus, like it's yeah, exactly. horrible, but it's really well done. Right. But this, but Station Eleven is not interested in that. It exists mm-hmm. in the show. It's there if you look for it, but that's not what the show is about. So but it kind, is nice. kind of like the leftovers, right? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, leftovers. I mean, in that sense, leftovers is a soft apocalypse. Yeah, but it's not hard science fiction about trying to figure out why X percent disappeared. And important, importantly, for the survival type thing, if you find yourself in a universe with monsters or magic, you've got problems. Um, because I mean, mm. the, the zombies in Walking Dead are magic. They don't. They don't freeze to death. They they oh, don't right. need to consume enough calories to stay alive. They're essentially magic, right? I mean, this they is should not free- as fast as those English zombies. They, they should twenty eight days later. They, they should freeze, right? In the winter, they should freeze. They should freeze and die, right? But if they were living things, because they they don't have any way to get shelter. Yeah, and what's the? Don't they eventually arrive at a, a wackadoo explanation that involves water and yeah, like no, moisture? They're, 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 or like they're magic. They're they're magic. They cannot they For cannot c- consume yeah. enough calories to keep anything. They're they're essentially magic. They can right? fit through the eye of a needle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you find yourself in that apocalypse, you've got some problems because once you have magical <laughs> things, 
Uh, don't you open better, the bar. you better find like <laughs> don't open the bar. <laughs> you better find like a a plus ten sword or something. Oh, absolutely. You, you need. You're gonna need a vorpal blade and a yeah. and a you need and a, and a, need Negan, a Negan stick. That. Nagging, yeah, you, they call it. Because if because if you use the correct st- strategy for for non magic zombies. Oh, and we just watch we just watch Rick over and over, season after season, like trusting too many people. But, or not burning all the zombies with gasoline, which they do they did do eventually. What do they call it? The plantation, or what's what's the place with that character actor? The farm. I like. No, that's the one where they got the little city, and um, is that the governor? No, that's not the governor. Where the guy has the has the um, let's just say things in. Oh, that is the governor where he has things in tanks, mm-hmm. and he has yeah. a, a special little friend that he takes care of. Did you know that guy was that? Did you know that guy was on Doctor Who, and he tech, he played a doctor on Doctor Who. I'm sure he did. David Morrissey is in an episode where he plays an alternate universe, uh, alternative, as you say, universe uh, doctor. David Morrissey's very good. He's English. He doesn't actually have a patch either. Morrissey. He's in one of the. I think it's a ten episode, if I remember. It's like the 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 real doctor. Oh yeah, one. no, I yes, no, I got it. Yep. Boy, he's looking old. Did you ever watch Torchwood? It looks like it's not very good. I did. I watched a little bit of it. It's kind of silly. Yeah. Well, I've been going through a thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to do a straight, I'm going to do a full 10 rewatch, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to try to catch up on that with for the 60th, because I've been behind by a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do. I think about Doctor Who a lot, and I watch a lot of like videos about, how do you know that? How can you tell? Because I hear you on other podcasts talking about it all the time. No, what are you talking about? I don't do it on other podcasts. Where? Do by Friday. You've been talking about Doctor Who like crazy lately. Do you, I've got, I've got, you know, I've got dolls of Doctor Who. I, I know. I've seen pictures of them. On how Mastodon. do you, how do you seen pictures? You post them on Mastodon, and then you post them again because your first pictures were cruddy. I retook them. I know. Because you know, I think editing is is a it's a gift, and uh, I got a war doctor. You know, but don't you think it's kind of poignant? You see, you see, uh, you see the curator with the painting, Gallifrey Frawls. <clears throat> See him with the painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he touches yeah, his nose. Who knows? He says, "Who knows?" And there's the hexagons. Mm-hmm. But you got him. So, and then in the photo I took, you've got you've got four Tom Baker kind of looking at him and giving him a thumbs up because I lost his Sonic. And then over beyond him, over here, like it's the War Doctor. See, and you know, to, to tie Brand this together, sand shoes. Your your love of Doctor Who and Station Eleven fit pretty well because both of them. Because um, <laughs> I'm forever alone. No, but both of, both of them fit this. They have this thing. You're a very, uh, I'm not going to say susceptible. Uh, you like it's moments. Okay. Okay. You like moments. I right? do like moments. And Doctor Who has oh, moments. Oh, boy, have they got moments. You know, I was on a podcast. Did you know I was on a podcast called The Moment? Mm-hmm. Show notes, show notes, tippy-toe lemon I, I listened to it, I know. It, it turned out pretty good. But like, did you know I was on the titular episode? It's almost like I got to say Star Wars. I'm just so sick of all these Star Wars. I was on I was on the podcast called The Moment, talking and where he interviews people about their favorite moment in the world of any Doctor Who. And mine was a moment that involves the moment. The titular moment. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, but but Clara says be a doctor. And it always makes me cry. It's one of the five times I cried during that episode every time. And Station Eleven also has moments. And both Doctor Who and Station Eleven are incoherent in a way that bothers me. <laughs> it's like I can get that. Yeah. Despite, I mean, I like both of them. Like, like I appreciate like, their so, strengths. You're on, but, you're on board yeah. for a lot of what's happening on Station Eleven, but like, it's what, what, if it sounds like it's something that probably kind of takes you out of it. Is just something that that 
it doesn't even take me out of it because like I it, it's just it, like I like I still like it, but I look yeah, at no, it I and I go, I don't love how they're doing this. <laughs> you know, I, I still can like you give, it. Can you give an example? I mean, I'm uh, not trying to cross. I'm yeah, not trying yeah, to cross. No, 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 like, um, so like, the way the way they tell the story non chronologically, I I'm I don't I'm not opposed to that, but they do it so severely. I very often think to myself, is the way they divided up this timeline? Does this particular division of the timeline serve the story? Or is it just like stunt? Sl- so, editing? but like for example, these my, my episode seven of this show. Here's what I'll say to y'all: um, If you trust John and my weird taste, please watch this show. At least watch it through episode seven. I've watched eight and nine, and they're good. But like episode seven is one of the like next two, maybe Day of the Doctor. It's got some of the greatest payoff from the previous six episodes and that episode. There's a lot of payoff and a lot of levels. And if you're a thoughtful if you're a thoughtful person who's willing to be emotionally vulnerable, it's a very special episode about humanity and trying to figure out who you should be. Um, but, uh, oh, but like, for example, there's something that happens in that episode that is a big deal. It's a moment. But like then and in, I want to say eight, they, you see it like at the top, I think, of episode eight. You see the thing happen again, Right but from a different point of view. And like, so that kind of stuff, like you can usually keep up fine with that stuff. I'm glad I have a kid who's good at arithmetic because there are a lot of times where I'm like, so wait, that means that the conductor was with David Cross when, and you're like, um, okay. And then you see flashbacks and it kind of makes sense, but you don't want to, you don't want to look, look away from this show. It's, it's a very demanding show. And, and, and like a lot of my favorite shows that are demanding, you need to be open to the idea that, as I say to my kid, when my kid complains about, or sometimes my wife complains about something 30 seconds in, what do I always say? I'm watching the same show that you are. I'm watching the same movie that you are. There's nothing you don't know, unless it's something they want you not to know. And there's a fair amount of that with this, which I think could probably frustrate a lot of even yeah, very mean, smart people. Sometimes I feel like it's, it's withholding not to its benefit. You know what I mean? Um, and the, uh, another mm-hmm. thing that I think, I think I did an incomparable episode about this. If I did, I'll link it in the show notes. Another thing I think I complained about then, or maybe I just thought to myself while listening to other people talk about uh-huh. on the incomparable, um, is that the, uh, not to again spoil it, but there is a fictional, a fictional a piece of fiction within the world of the I story. I think you can say that. You that, can say what it is. That's important. Uh, graphic so, novel. There's a, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a somewhat mysterious, or let's just say there's a comic book, a graphic novel at the center of this story that is called Station Eleven. Yeah, I mean, and and it is important. It is important to the people in the show, yeah. but the story in that comic is not sufficiently explained to be coherent in any way, which I think takes away from our ability to my ability. To that is a very un- Doctor Who problem. To uh, to understand how yeah. the people in the show are reacting to it, because it's like, well, they read well, it, and to but understand I didn't. why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, like, in order to get engaged with the show, you it needs to there needs to be something where you can like know enough about what's happening to understand why someone's doing what they're doing, unless it's unless it's a reason. Yeah. Not and and to. A, a good contrast is Hamlet. They do that with Hamlet, and they don't explain Hamlet, but they assume the audience knows Hamlet because it's a real piece of fiction that's kind of famous, and you probably already know about it, and so they can get yeah, away yeah. with it with Hamlet. They don't need to explain Hamlet to us to make the scenes that they show impactful because they assume there's a good chance we already know the story of Hamlet, but we do not already know the story of Station Eleven because it's something that was made up for this thing, but it's super important to the people. Also, also, at some point, you may be tested by Clark to find out if you actually do know Hamlet. Exactly, right. Yes, yeah, so it's fun for, for people, Shakespeare scholars can feel smug when they watch. 
Oh, but boy. Oh, but boy. But, but yeah, it's, but no, it's got, it's got its moments and I find it very appealing and I, I would love for them to continue to make shows just like this. Swing for the fences and make them about the end of the world and have a really good cast. I think it's really great. The stuff about plays, the stuff about performance, the stuff about identity. I don't know. It's maybe not Bergman level stuff, but for an HBO show, it really does go there. And it's I, I think it's pretty special. I would say watch episode one. Which I can, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to unreservedly recommend episode one of Station Eleven, and obviously now you're at a juncture where you can decide what to do. If you if you're starting to fade, which I probably think you won't, because if you make it to the airport episode, boy, are you going to stick around? In my opinion, the airport is the second best episode, and the best episode is number seven. It's uh, so, so you're not saying anything. You did you like episode seven? I got to look up the uh, the episode. It's numbers the one number with the play. Two. I mean, they do a couple of plays. It's the one where Kiki has the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did have to look at the the episode list to, to to remind myself of how they chopped this thing up chronologically and how much it annoyed me. But well, it's kind of crazy because, for example, like right now I'm on nine, and I'm like, um, can I please get an update on Miranda? Like Miranda was, or the author of the comic mm-hmm. is was a really big deal, mm-hmm. of course, because she's everything in this ends up being about Arthur, and like she was very close to Arthur, and that was a thing. And then we caught, covered her and Jonah in Malaysia, which was that actress just blew it out of the water when she's confronting the Chinese guys about it. And like, I, yeah, this, the show is also not particularly interested in tying up any of the stories that you might be interested in. <laughs> and that continues. In, Cause I'm wondering where's, where's MC? Where, where's Miranda? Yeah. Like I haven't seen her for many episodes and I'm about to start the final one. Yeah. Like yeah, when, when this show ended, I did wonder to myself, was this the last episode or is there one more? And that's usually not a good sign for a good ending. See, that's what happened to lost. That's what happened with lost. ABC said the Lost. Oh no, actually we went this many episodes. So whatever you had planned for your last season of the show, Throw almost all of that away, and now we need to have half again as many episodes or whatever. Yeah, this doesn't have that problem. I think it does come to a satisfying ending. No, everybody's well, learned. Everybody's it, learned it, from it. Comes, you haven't seen episode 10 yet, but I feel, I feel like episode 10 fits with the whole rest of the series okay. in both good and bad ways. Um, And this is, I don't know, I hope it matters to you. It matters to me. The production design in the show is really special. I mean, we, we all, I don't know, I think I first heard the word kit-bashed in reference to Star Wars, as to talk about a world, what do they call them, Greebles? Like, the spaceships aren't all smooth. The spaceships aren't all clean. Like, there's, you know, there's people with dust on their boots in Star Wars and a kit-bashed look. And, like, as as against, for example, a, a show I love, which is the original classic series of Star, Star Trek, where everything's, like, much, you know, cleaner. And uh, this show really goes there. I mean, this really feels like a world where people have been getting by for at least 15 years. And there's this, just this very amiable group of weirdos. Oh my God, how much do you love the guy with, with, the, with the burns? Isn't he the best? Yeah, they, I think they get away with a lot in terms of costume design because they spend a lot of time with these. You don't believe what they do with, with the, garbage bags. It's, with, the, it's yeah, with the theater people because you're like, okay, well, that's silly. Well, you make but, a shit, you make a Hamlet vest out of the sleeves from like 12 down jackets. Right. Like it's very kind of like imagine if the people, if the world's greatest fashion designers only had access to, to garbage bags. <laughs> oh, the top dress challenge. Right. And beca- yeah. because they are theater people, like, okay, that doesn't make any sense, but I can see how theater people would be like, I'm going to cover my jacket with condoms. Right, right, because right. they, do that. I, they do. Well, and then when they go to David Cross's place, do you notice Kiki made an entire like a a, a blouse or a jerkin mm-hmm. like out of golf gloves? Yep. Oh my god. Yeah, there's some there's some amazing uh, uh, costume stuff, which is 
silly, but just barely works in the context of the story because they are theater people. And you're like, OK, I buy that. They would probably do that if they if they could do it, which they probably yeah. couldn't. But if they could, it's 20 years after the apocalypse. Where are you going to get that many condoms? Like, don't worry about it. They made a jacket out of them. 